I have no witty remarks tonight. I am annoyed with Keith. His stupid volleyball knee pads, the way he thinks he's smooth, and just how grimy he is. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Let's finish up Nexium so I never have to think about this dweeb ever again. Hey guys, welcome back to Cryptic Soup. I cleared my throat and I still had it sound weird. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, hey, what's up? Hey, what's I'm Dina. I'm Kylie. And you're in Cryptic Soup. <laughs> okay. Um <clears throat> okay. Uh we're going to we're going to finish up Nexium tonight, guys. But I got to talk about something. Okay. Uh-huh. So, okay. I've been sitting on this for like um, almost since last week when we recorded because I found it about like 30 minutes after we recorded. Um, So I've been waiting on (laughs) this for a week to talk to Kylie. Okay, so there's like three parts to this story. Okay, part one. Did you know it's Shark Week? No, I didn't actually. Okay, because all of this, my whole conversation is going to center around sharks. It's three different points of sharks. I almost said three different point of views. (laughs) Okay, so number one, did you know, because I knew it was Shark Week. And that's how the originally I found the first thing, which then when I was looking up the first thing, my phone now thinks that everything I want is about Shark Week. So then like my (laughs) Netflix and like my HBO and everything's tailored to Shark Week. And I found out the second thing. So then I went to Google something about Shark Week and the third thing popped up. So I'm going to go backwards now. Ready? Mm -hmm. The third thing. Um, Did you know that Shark Week is the longest running cable television program event technically since in history since 2010? No, but I can see where that. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's had so many different hosts that like it's uh, people don't realize it's every year the same company that's doing it, like even the same production and everything. Like it's always been the same. This year, it's Jason Momoa that's hosting it. That's a little weird uh, because he's Aquaman. Right. No, I get it. OK, <laughs> I want to make sure that. Well, I, yeah. OK, <laughs> so then part two, um, I was like scrolling on the uh, like streaming platforms. I was trying to find a movie to watch. And um, of course, this part, uh, Corey thought I was going to talk about Harry Styles and I told him I wasn't. So I'm going to I ended up going to watch Don't Worry, Darling again for the three hundred ninety thousandth time. Is that, is that on Netflix? No, it's on HBO Max. I was scrolling Max. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, but I mean, it's on Max. You have Max. I don't. I don't. We <laughs> if you just log in, no, Kylie. I know we need to. We need to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I was scrolling through Max, and there's like a whole section, obviously dedicated to Shark Week, mm-hmm. and it's like here's some shark movies, and you know, like the Meg is on there. There's like Jaws. There's you know, not Forty Seven Meters Down, but other ones. Ugh. Uh. 47 meters down is the only fucking movie that gives me the ick in no, not the ick more like, um, the fear. It gives me yeah, the fear. like oh major anxiety for the whole freaking movie. <laughs> I was talking about that one with Margie the other day. I was like, I'm not scared of scary movies, but there's something like the spins is the scariest concept to me. And like yes. everything, I can't do it. Yeah. Well, so I was scrolling and I was just like, I'm going to look and see if 47 meters down is on there because I've been talking about it with Margie and I want Margie to watch it. There wasn't, but do you want to know what movie I did find? Oh God. A movie called Cocaine Sharks. No, I've heard of this. I've heard of this. <laughs> okay. That's all. But also, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's just a whole... I mean, but a lot of drug deals do happen in the ocean, so I guess that actually... Cocaine Sharks makes more sense than Cocaine I Bears. Say, I feel like that makes... Well, it doesn't make more sense, but it's more like 
likely to happen. I could see it happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, now do you want to know where this all stemmed from, though? Yes. It's a true crime case, guys. So now you finally understand where this is coming from. <laughs> Have you heard the story about the boy named Cameron who was on, who, who, who died? No. Okay, so this happened this year, right? All okay. right. So um, I want to make sure I have the area right real quick. Because um, I'm doing this all off the top of my head, guys. Uh, so there was, gosh dang it, I looked up the wrong guy. I keep looking up Cameron Boyce because I'm dumb. Cameron Robbins. <clears throat> so this boy is named Cameron Robbins. He died in May um, of this year. And here's what happened. He was 18 years old. He recently graduated from... Uh, a high school in Louisiana. Okay. And him and his friends decided they were going to go over to the Bahamas and they were going to go on some like little escapade adventure together before, you know, going off to college and everything. And specifically one of the days they were going to go on this like cruise type ship. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it was called, it was something piratey like Blackbeard's ship or Blackbeard's revenge or something like that. I remember seeing something about it being like a pirate ship, like a joking pirate ship. Okay. So him and his friends decided to go out. Now, Him and his friends did not know that it is currently a time when sharks are like really heavily in the water, like shark week. (laughs) The whole reason shark week is a thing. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying that to like poke fun at this, but like him and his friends genuinely didn't know. Okay. So keeping that in mind. Now, what happens is Cameron and his friends are on the boat. They've been having a great time. And then someone's like, oh, Cameron, we double dare you to jump off the side of the boat. Do it. Oh, no. And Cameron's like, okay, like it's vacation. What could go wrong? Yeah. So that's Cam- not how things work. Though. No. <laughs> so- Cameron takes off his shirt and stuff like that. He jumps in the water and they start recording it right then on a phone while all the other kids are on the boat at the railing. And Cameron's like kind of laughing in the water. And I think he even makes a remark about it either being cold or it being something. Now mm-hmm. it is the middle of the night it's like 9 30 p.m and it's pitch black in this water oh absolutely not it is dark in the video you can't even see the water it's just a vast blackness and cameron like floating okay nope so then cameron realizes how the fuck is he gonna get back on the boat right and so he's like i can't climb back up the boat and his friends are like okay i'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw a buoy out to you so his friends throw a buoy and they throw it pretty far like quite a few feet away like i'm gonna say like in the video it looks at least 10 to 15 feet away So Cameron starts to swim towards the buoy. And as he's swimming it, you see him like very quickly start changing direction. And he starts swimming away from the buoy and away from the boat. And he's like not going towards either. Right. Mm -hmm. And his friends start laughing, being like, oh, bye, Cameron. Guess you found another way. Like, bye, Cameron. And they're like giggling. And then all of a sudden Cameron gets drugged under the water and he's never found again. Holy shit. So the last thing Cameron knows is his friends were laughing at him saying, bye, Cameron. Mm -hmm. And they don't know that more than likely Cameron saw a shark circling the buoy and he was trying not to go near it because it was going to kill him. And it ended up doing that. Right. Well, so for the next few days, I want to say it was a really short time period. But again, guys, I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. Um, I want to say it was anywhere from two to seven days. They do a sweep of the ocean and they do thousands of square miles. Uh, I think it was about 2000 square miles. Mm -hmm. And they the Coast Guard, like they use sonar. They do all this stuff. They search. They search. They cannot find a single trace or evidence of Cameron being alive. Not a single thing. Nothing. So more than likely, Cameron was drugged down and got the spins more than likely and ended up getting to become um, a 
food i'm not trying to say that in like a degrading way but honestly he probably did get eaten it's survival of the fittest at that point yeah Yeah. and um there so then the video gets leaked of these boys laughing and saying bye cameron which is sad because like they don't know like don't yeah don't be mean to them so that happens and so then obviously people on tiktok start being like oh my gosh imagine graduating high school and the last thing you know is you go on a vacation with your friends and you hear your friends laughing and saying bye to you just for you to get brutally attacked and murdered by a shark and i'm like oh my god that's so traumatizing i get it like i get it from everyone's standpoint here yeah yeah. well so then like obviously everyone's like sue those kids or fuck those kids blah 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 right and they keep saying the same thing, which I get why they're saying it, because they're probably also traumatized in their own way. But they keep being like, it was his fault that he died. Like, it's technically his fault. You have to think about it that way. Yes, we dared him, but he made the physical choice to do it. It is technically not our fault he died, which like I get I get it. And I'm not blaming anyone, but oh, my God, to be anyone in that position or like his parents, because, you know, the parents don't want to, but in their heart, they are blaming him. And they're like, yeah, but you're fucking dumb enough to say I double dare you to jump in waters that are pitch black. You can't see it's nighttime and they're shark infested. It's fucking shark week. And I'm sure they told you on the boat, don't fucking get in the water, especially at night. Yeah. So like, I get it from everyone's standpoint, but holy shit, bro. That's wild. Yeah. So I don't want, I would, you could dare me all day and I would never do that. Which, I mean, I, I think... But I'm, I probably, like, coming from that standpoint, I probably would be... I would like, oh, I hate being I dare you to get in the water. You know? Yeah. Like, because it's, it's just something terrifying that right. you say. Yeah. Well, and I mean... <laughs> just because somebody dares you to jump off a cliff, you're going to do it. You I know, mean, like, the whole thing. And this is not near as extreme, and we all know this, but we all know Athena has been through the ringer at least a million times in their life. And I think we've talked about it here, but... My brothers, when I was growing up, my stepbrothers, uh, we were on a boat in Florida Mm -hmm. and my brothers dared me to jump off the boat. And I did. And I had to go to the hospital because I was severely I jumped into a um, I don't know if they're called a school or what they're called, but I jumped into a school of jellyfish and I got stung so many times that I lost consciousness because I was in so much physical pain and like. It one of them like had like slightly what? wrapped around me and they had to pry a dead jellyfish off me because it was wrapped around me. I mean, it's like it's electric. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's not good for you to get. No. Yeah. And I mean, it, OK, that's not near as severe. And I'm not saying like I went through what he went through. Not at all. Obviously, I know that. But imagine if I was stupid enough and that was during a shark time or what if I was in an area where there is other creatures that could have killed me like i don't know what's in there i was a young dumb kid i was i think like eighth grade or something yeah what if you jumped and you just like jumped on a sea urchin or something or just what if i jumped (laughs) and there was like a current there or something yeah so many things that could the the ocean ocean does not the ocean does not does not fuck around that is not the place if you want to play water games and you want to be dumb there are pools Yeah, for that and lazy rivers, but don't do it near the people that are enjoying the lazy river. Like, be chill. I love lazy rivers. (laughs) Does that make me old? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) I like wave pools. Yeah, those are fun. I mean, I like pools in general. Um, but, but yeah, like I, I don't even like to fuck around in ponds. Even ponds kind of make me nervous because like rocks are at the bottom of them usually, and I feel like they're unsafe in their own ways. 
Like, I don't, I don't know. Or like lakes, I guess, not ponds, lakes. I don't know. I just, uh, well, yeah. Cause remember when we talked about Lake Lanier, lakes are scary. That's in the archives. Yeah. And also we talked about the rogue waves and how Lake Michigan claims a lot of lives because oh, of yeah. it. Oh yeah. Lakes are just as scary. I agree. Okay. Well, that's my big thing. I'm so sorry it took so long, but wow, I really wanted to tell you about it. <laughs> but now I guess we should get to the real case, shouldn't we? Yes. That was should. like a mini case in front of a case for you guys. Because we were bonus. <laughs> we were nervous. We've talked about the cult so long that you guys were losing interest. So now we've rejuvenized you into Yeah, now you got a bonus it. episode and now we're back to the to, to our what regularly is it? scheduled programming. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Knew you were going there. <laughs> I I like it was like regularly planned scheduling. Right. <laughs> you were so close. So close. So in the la- like this has been a three part series and guys, we're wrapping up. We are. I'm I have decided no matter what, I was refusing to do a part four of this. But also, if you're here and you've never heard of this, please go back to part one. Yeah. Part one <laughs> and two really start to explain things. You guys can't really make it very far in part two or three without knowing part one. I feel like you could probably maybe slightly. Well, you could do two part and two. three. Yeah. But, but you're not going to experience the full, the full grime of <laughs> Keith. Yeah. Like, yeah. so I, I jammed a lot into this one. Let's hope it goes well, guys. I am so sorry for the fact that I could have made this like a 10 part series, but I didn't <laughs> because I love you guys. So <laughs> bear with me. All right. In part one and two of the Nexium series, we talked about Keith, his early life, some of the MLMs, some key members of the cults, the ESPs, the intensives, the celebrities, the groups, and a lot of other stuff. So now we kind of need to summarize how it all happened and like how it went down in the end and how they got caught and all that stuff, the trials, everything. But we're skipping over the biggest group of all. We haven't talked about DOS, and that's because DOS is like its own fucking thing. Like, I don't even know. Okay. So in the last part, I said the Nexium nine were this huge defection in the cult where these nine women left. And then Kristen Keith ended up being like this problem because Kristen went missing. And then this other woman named Kristen went missing and all this stuff happened. And then Keith had a baby with one of the girls and all this stuff. Right. But he's celibate. So that's crazy. How did the celibate man? He's like the Virgin Mary up in here. And they sure that's not how that works. (laughs) Apparently you don't know shit. I guess not. Now in 2014, we talked a lot about Kristen. Um, the one that left in Alaska left, left. (laughs) Right. So now we're going to talk about the other Kristen that we kind of glazed over. So we're going to bring her back up. So in 2014, Kristen, um, Keith, she was one of the proctors in Nexium. She left. She had a baby with Keith also. And the New York Post reported that Galen, the baby, was actually an adopted orphan and not their biological son, because that led to the story of Keith being celibate to, like, sound more realistic. Lame. Well, Kristen and her son ended up leaving the cult and they went into hiding because she reported she was worried that Keith was performing experiments on her son. Don't like that. Uh, I can't find out what it is and I, I don't like it. I just feel like anything that is like possibly like said about Keith is true. Yeah. And especially when it has to do with anything under the age of 18. Yeah. Now, shortly after Galen was born, Keith created a group called the Rainbow Cultural Gardens, which we'll talk about one more time later. But it was not really long after the group was created that an anonymous member from inside the group reached out to a news source and said that they thought the Keith 
created this group just so he could start grooming children at a younger age. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Now, that ends up being part of the thing with Kristen Keith leaving. And Kristen Keith is one of the ones that lived. Um, and so her baby is Keith's baby. Keep in mind, like that really is true. Right. Okay. So Kristen was one of the few that got away and Kristen does speak out nowadays. She's in a lot of the things and stuff and you get to see her testimonial. But remember, Kristen was there for like a long time. She was there in the beginning. In the beginning. Stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. she was the roommate with Pam K. Fritz and, um, oh God, isn't her name Susan? Now I can't think of it. There's so many women. Yeah. Susan. <sighs> There's so many names to but remember. Was she roommate for, is it Tori? Uh, Tony Natalie, Tony Natalie, Tony Tony Natalie. God, not Natalia. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't she roommate when she was around? Uh, when Tony went to visit, I think she was one of the three. Yeah. Yeah. So she's been there. Which, okay. There are so many names right now, guys. And we're actually not even done bringing women into the story. We're going to bring a few more, but you have to remember that's because that's who he preyed on. That's who was the easiest to join the cult. And that's who he did the most fucked up stuff to. Like, yeah, he had that boys group that he made. But the thing is, is he let the boys get away with anything. They were allowed to belittle the women, intimidate the women and like things like that, because that worked in Keith's favor. So they're not mentioned as heavily because who the fuck cares if they're the ones getting away with everything? You know what I mean? Like, that's how it was kind of looked at. It was these women that were suffering and that's who gets noted. And that's who tells the story in the end because they were tired of the injustice. Well, what gets really confusing, too, is Kristen's last name is Keith with an F. And then there's Keith. Yeah. With a T-H. I wonder if we need to do Kristen K. <laughs> well, we we kind of get done talking about her. Yeah. But if I had to mention her and or the other Kristen a ton more, I would have been like, OK, we need some some nicknames here. Yeah. <laughs> it's confusing. Uh, um, so in 2015, Keith ignored all the drama that had started centering around the cult because like, you know, uh, the Nexium 9 just happened and like all these small things are coming out. Well, when the Nexium 9 happened, you know, there were a few more small defects around because people were like, oh, why'd those women leave? Clearly they were sick of it. So instead of Keith, like really like talking about it or doing anything, he decided he is going to create another group because <laughs> the like first 10 weren't Cause, enough. Because that's what you do when you have an issue is you just create more issues. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So it was called DOS, which is Dominus Obsequarius Sororium. Yeah. Yeah. It's Latin. It loosely translates to master over slave or master over slave women or masters over women. Is that is it ob- obsequious? Obsequious. Yeah, probably is. It sounds like secubus. Oh, secubus. I was thinking of obs. There's a word that I was thinking of, but now I can't think of anything other than obsolete, and that is not it. Dominus obsequious. Should we? Should we look it up and see what it is? No, we're doing DOS. We never say it again. I never say that phrase again. I don't think in the whole outline. I was like, nope, one and done. So Keith was actually the head of DOS and he was known as the Grand Master. And it established a pyramid system or pyramid scheme where slaves were controlled by masters. And there were a very few section of masters that were like the first ring or like inner circle that were directly under Keith. And then it trickled down from there, obviously. But here's the kicker. Keith would tell the women in this group that him being master over them and them having other masters 
was a good thing because it enabled them to become master over their own life in the end. He's teaching them. Oh, it was a sisterhood and it was an empowerment group and it was similar to Janess. But remember, people didn't like Janess because Keith was in control. Right. So Keith said he didn't even know DOS existed. He wasn't a part of it at all. He's like, no, no, no. The women of Nexium created DOS and they're in control of DOS. And I didn't even know it was a thing. So guess who's in control of DOS? Um. Alice and Mac. Oh. Okay. Okay. And that's gonna, uh, this is gonna come back to bite her in the ass. I thought he was just lying and he was. No, he is. <laughs> he is. He is. Yeah. That's I, mean, the well, thing. I mean, like technically he's the leader of the cult regardless. So. But he is definitely in control of Dawson. You'll find that out. But he's portraying that it's completely oblivious to him because this right. is also going to help. He thinks it's going to help him if anything ever gets caught because right. he doesn't know anything. Right. So one way Keith made the women feel in charge is he said they were their own masters because they set up their own slaves like they did the recruiting. So if, you know, we were part of the inner circle, if like I was if I was one of the inner circles, I would set up Kylie as a slave. And then I'd be like, well, Kylie, do you not feel empowered? You can get your own slave. And then Kylie's like, oh, my God, that's empowering. You're right. I'm going to hire Jessica as a slave. So see, and then I'm like, also, because you got a slave, you get paid for recruiting someone. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm even more empowered because I got paid for doing my job. Yeah. Okay. And this is literal slavery or is it? uh, Yeah. Okay. Sexual slavery. Okay. And so it's literally a pyramid scheme. (laughs) Like, that's literally what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the women that were recruited were kept in the dark without knowing that Keith was the leader. So that's another thing. When I said that they thought that Allison was in control, like other than the inner circle and like the inner ring, no one knew that Keith was actually even a part of DOS for a while. And like you only find out if you end up having to do sexual stuff with him. Like otherwise, and you don't even know that he's technically in DOS. You think that the master women of DOS set it up. So like if I'm like, okay, Kylie, it's your turn to go pleasure Keith. You're thinking that order came from me. I'm in control. But really, Keith came to me and said, I'm going to want Kylie to pleasure me tonight. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go tell her. So then I set it up and you think I'm in control. But really, I'm still getting ordered around by Keith. Yeah. Right. Because they all thought it was a female empowerment group and a secret society of women with a Nexium that Keith didn't know about. So they're like, well, he wouldn't know that. I am in this group to get pleasure from me. So obviously, uh, Athena set it up for me, not Keith. Because right. again, they don't think he even knows it exists. <sighs> okay. The women were required to hand, or, hand over collateral to be in the group. Things like they had to get embarrassing and incriminating information about themselves. Same with like photograph evidence and stuff. They had to have videos, information about themselves and their family, things like this that would be publicly released if they disclose any of the information or existence of DOS. I'm talking like they uh, they would make you pose for nude photos and like they would be like, OK, now if you do anything, we're going to give this to everyone ever. We need you to tell us secrets about your family, about your family's bank account, about, you know, like even if they're not true, they would make them lie and put it in recordings like something even as wild as being like, talk about your husband being attracted to children, things like that, like anything that could then later come back to bite everyone in the ass, not just you. Got it. Mm hmm. And once you were in DOS, you had a ton of rules you had to obey. There were weekly meetings where the women would sit around naked 
And Keith would be there, who wasn't naked. And he would give speeches and lectures. Now, only the higher up members were allowed to go to the meetings because the lower members didn't know Keith had a part in this. So, like, that was a treat to get to go to this naked meeting. Okay. Mm -hmm. We'll look at it that way. (laughs) The lower members had to do drills. They would be sent a text message and they were given a time limit of one minute to be ready to do whatever they were told, even if it was like a sexual thing or whatever it was before they had to like get in trouble. They would have a punishment if they didn't do it. And these were 24 seven drills. Like it could be 1 a.m. It could be 5 p.m. It could be midnight. It could be 6 a.m. It did not matter. You had 60 seconds on the dot to reply to your master once they texted you. And like. It got so exhausting, they said, that they couldn't even type out the word master. They were so exhausted that they would just be like, M, M, saying, like, I'm acknowledging you, master. And they showed some of this in the court documents and as well as the, like, shows, the documentaries I watched, where it would just be uh, an entire thread of messages, hundreds of messages, where they'd be like, slave, M, 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 slave, M, slave, M, slave, M, all hours, every day every day for months wow now the punishments that you got and like i said the whatever they were asking could be anything it could be literally anything including sexual problems uh favors for people so the punishments that you got if you messed up at all were a bunch of different things like they would beat you with a whip they would make you go stand barefoot in the snow for hours they would make you have to take ice cold showers until they stopped You had to do physical beatings or corporal punishment. Sometimes you had to have a physical beating with Keith present and Keith would instruct the master that was beating them how to make the beatings more painful and inflict more damage. Um, okay. So why would you want to be in this? (laughs) uh, Because it's empowering. Okay. And because it's, it's, um, what is that word? Not discreet. When there's only a select few that get it limited, it's. Not limited edition, but it's it's like oh the top of the top. You yeah. think you're special because you're in it, even yeah. if it's bad. And probably because once you're kind of already around it and in it. Exclusive. Exclusive, yeah. Once you're already around it and in it, you you can't get out, obviously. So you probably hear about it from other people thinking that it sounds great. And then you find out. And you probably only hear about it from the upper people who make it sound great. You don't hear about it from the people that are being tortured, obviously, because they can't talk about it because then they're going to get tortured. Right. Slaves were required to meet with the masters three times a week where they were required to take nude photographs together, where they were told they had to spread their legs and make everything visible in the photos so that they had more collateral. Mm -hmm. Keith also requested that none of the women ever shave because that was his personal preference. Okay. Keith was also like, uh, using this to keep tabs on the inner circle members because he made them pose for the photos like together. So, cause otherwise like the upper people probably would have kind of started to fight against it being like, um, it's a little fucked up what we're doing, but they also had collateral against them. Right. Some of the inner circle members were people like Allison Mack, Nancy Salzman, Lauren Salzman and others. And they were called masters because they were what you would think is the top of this food chain. Mm -hmm. But they weren't. The women in this group were actively groomed for Keith and were forced to follow the near starvation diets that we talked about in the last episode, part two, because Keith liked skinny and we're talking grossly skinny. He allowed them to have a maximum of 500 calories a day. Um, 
and he wanted them to look like they were starving. Like that was a turn on for him. He wanted them emaciated. He wanted, you know, like their bones Mm -hmm. to be jutting out and stuff. Yeah. He would always find a way to make them change their diet and tear them down so that they looked that borderline sickly. And former members always would say that they looked sickly skinny or scary skinny. Keith told the women they had to be celibate um, because then he knew he was in control of their bodies. So he told them they couldn't have sex with anyone else. And then he if they like question it, he's like, well, I'm celibate. And they're like, oh, well, true. If you can handle it, then we can handle it. But (laughs) again, Keith isn't celibate. And also Keith is grooming these women. He just might not be having sex with them, but he's doing other stuff. Right. Which I'm sure he is having sex with them. But you find out mostly he's doing other sexual things with them. Mostly. Right. Keith would have the inner circle master set up uh, set up rules to teach the lower level slaves because he couldn't prove that like he was doing it. So like when he wanted everyone to be celibate, he'd like you tell them to be celibate and say it's because you love me so much and I'm celibate. Like you tell them to be more like me because I'm so great. They the new members would have to send nude photos to Keith just to start the initial event, which already if that was the first thing they tell me, I'm like, like, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Then they have a meeting with Keith where they're supposed to remain nude. Like they get taken into a room and they get naked. Keith walks in with clothes on and he starts taking more nude photos of them, making sure he has pretty much every nook, cranny and crevice. And then Keith would perform oral sex on the woman and then end the meeting, whether mm-hmm. they wanted it or not. And, and it did not matter their age. Then he like you later find out it's because he wanted to have power over these women and he didn't want to have sex technically because he's supposed to be like being celibate and he got tired of all the babies probably in the Planned Parenthood. Bills. What is, what's the one thing you learned in, in sex ed that oral sex is sex? Well, yes, <laughs> but um, he, I feel like was doing it also to like take power because he's like, Oh, it's enlightening and empowering. But once you rob someone of that bit of like sexualness, it's it tears them down so much to where they're not going to be empowered. Like you will never feel empowered around this man again. Right. And he knew that. So DOS was believed to have over 150 members. And some of the women who were members of DOS ended up getting branded. And this is where a lot of people start to hear about Nexium. And they remember this part because this hit the fucking fan. This really I there's a few things that I'm like, oh, this is what got them caught. Oh, this is and stuff. Mm-hmm. This is really the biggest undoing in the getting them caught, I think. And if they wouldn't have branded these women, I think they would have gotten away with it for a longer time period. Not forever, but longer. And yeah. I was when I like watch things and stuff, I've thought this for years. I've noticed that most cults get caught once they turn into a sex cult. Hmm. Um, the moment sex starts entering all of a sudden, the cult gets like so much harder to maintain because members get jealous, members yeah, defect, members. There's emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you think about cults that still exist in today's society, they're not sex cults usually. And that's why they still exist. Not saying any of these are cults, but let's talk about them. Christianity, Scientology, things like this. Is mm-hmm. there really like sex based on them? No. Are they thriving? Yes. So if you want to create a cult, don't don't make it sex. Well, and don't make it a doomsday (laughs) cult either, because then you have to obviously die. Die. (laughs) (laughs) 
People usually don't like that. Yeah. Like that kind of ruins the <laughs> the flow. Have you seen Barbie yet? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was going to say it was going to ruin the mojo, but then I just think of Mojo Dojo uh, Casa House. Casa House. Yeah. I love that movie. Okay. Now, the branding is so fucked. I think I, yeah, I put it further down, but you don't have to scroll down yet. But I'm going to put it in the Instagram so everyone can see it. But I do put a warning because it is kind of just gross to look at. But um, we'll talk about this branding. Ready? So the branding was the initials of Keith and Allison because they decided to create this idea together. Keith called the group a sorority, when, but Allison would call it um, like the self-help group. And she said it was aspiring others to be better. The branding is literally exactly as terrifying as you think it is. It took a long time and it was a process. Okay. So originally some people say it was Keith's idea, but others say it was Allison's idea. And he says that now there are recordings you can look up and listen to, and it's pretty much a mutual idea. And then the way they go about it is so fucked. Um, they are walking around because Keith does this thing where he goes for these like power walks with people and it's so that he can kind of seem in control because he's like come on keep up with me keep up we're having this important talk don't you want to have this talk with me keep up um and in this recording he's like asking allison all these questions she's like talking about it like a ritual ceremony she's like yeah we could do this like branding and stuff and he's like well when we did it to you guys the higher ups what did you like about it and she's like i liked that it made us feel like we were all part of something connected and he's like okay so we need to make it like a connected feeling so more like a ritual and she's like yeah and he's like okay what would make it important to you and she's like oh like i don't know i feel like if i was like laid down on a table and like there were candles around me and i was told the meaning behind it and he's like i'm not talking about you specifically allison and she's like oh you you said you i thought you meant me and he's like no i'm talking about you as the whole of women in society <laughs> and he gets like so irritated and she's just like giggling like nervous yeah but and he's like, OK, like what what would you do to make it more meaningful? And she's like, well, I'd make the person feel vulnerable, making it almost sacrificial and like make them feel like the brand is something they're proud to wear for their whole life because they're going to have it forever. Right. And he's like, yeah, OK, that makes sense. And she's like, I would like like someone to like whisper something into my ear and force me to repeat it so that it it like seems like a like a ritual and so it's so fucked the whole recording is you guys can go listen to it if you want i decided not to put it in here because it's kind of long and they're out of breath and i hate both of them and they're out of breath <laughs> they are because the power walk they're like okay and then we'll do like some ritualistic stuff i think and then um well and i'm like stop it just stand still for two minutes and have the conversation <laughs> would have been so much faster which by the way by by the way you remember how i was talking and part two about Kristen Kruk and the girl I like from Smallville and stuff. Yeah. I ended up finding a photo about, um, like, um, the group and like, they went on one of their like mini vacations together or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And I ended up finding a group photo of a few members of Nexium and stuff. And Kristen's right in the middle. She's right there. I was like, Holy shit. How have I never seen this? I would have known she was a Nexium otherwise. <laughs> she's right there. And I was like, Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> But she got out. She's good. She's a good noodle. I think she's okay. And I think if we did it right, she got out before DOS. I don't remember. Anyways, now when it comes to the branding, one of the biggest stories we have is from a woman named Sarah. And we're going to talk a lot about Sarah because she she really paved the way here. Um, She helped out 
a, a lot. Okay. So Sarah was this woman who was brought in by Lauren Salzman and Lauren is Nancy Salzman's daughter, remember? And Lauren has her own relationship with Keith, even though Nancy does also. So to give you guys a, a remembering, Nancy was the constipated woman that helped set everything up. And then Lauren's her daughter. Now, Lauren and her mom both know that they're both with Keith. Gross. Um, but I don't know to the extent of what each person knows. Okay. Now, Lauren and Sarah were like best friends. I'm talking like Lauren was at in in Sarah's wedding, like the godmother of her child, like things like that. Like, mm-hmm. so Sarah was going through a lot and she was kind of in a rough place. But she was told about this group and being a self-help group and that there's empowerment and everyone's communicable and like everything like that. And Sarah's like, Lauren's my best friend. She wouldn't put me someplace that would hurt me or have something bad happen to me. And I would trust her like she's my best friend. So I. okay, sure. Well, then she gets told that she has to do the nude photos and she's like, wait a minute. No. (laughs) And Lauren's like, dude, he does this. It's weird. None of us like it, but he's never done anything with him. I think it's just like this ploy to like. I think he throws them away afterwards. Like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So she calms her down and she's like, just don't overthink it. It's fine. Like, he's not even in control. The women are. So, like, honestly, it's probably them that have the photos and they probably just, like, are doing it as a scare tactic. Like, chill. So somehow Sarah's like, all right, you're right. Okay, whatever. I'll join. So on March 9th, 2017, Sarah and four other women were flown out to Albany, New York. They were blindfolded and told they were going to attend a ceremony for DOS. They were not told where they were going or what was happening. And they were led to a home and told to take off their blindfolds and clothes once they got inside. And I want to say it was Allison Mack's home. When they take off their blindfolds and they strip down, they see the room they were in had a huge massage table in the middle of it. They were all told they were going to get a tattoo to commemorate everything. And they told it was like this mashup symbol of like the elements because like to prove that they're stronger than anything that could happen and it's empowering and all this stuff. And they're all like oh, a tattoo. Okay. Like a small one. It's not invisible. Right. Whatever. Like, all right. At least it has a good meaning behind it. Hmm. Well, then you find out that they get branded. They get like held down to this table and branded. And there are some like recordings talking about it. And I think you can hear it in one of them. Well, later you find out the branding is the initials K-R-A-M, meaning Keith Ranieri and Allison Mack. Mm-hmm. But they didn't know that until they started healing because they were just so, like, bad looking. Well, yeah. And so I put it in here so Kylie can see it, but I'll put it on the Facebook. And I'm also going to draw on it so you can see where the initials are. Because at first you look at it, you can very clearly see the A and mm-hmm. the M for Allison Mack. Yeah, I can see them all. And then yeah. you see the K and then you, you got to turn your head a little bit for the R, but it's yeah. very visible. Yeah. Um. Sarah ended up after all this happened. So like Sarah gets this and she's traumatized. All these women were. Um, and they don't heal well. You'll find out. You'll see that on the Instagram, too. They did not heal well. Um, Sarah ended up calling up Mark Vincent, who was a person who had recruited her into this group years before. Now, Mark is a dude that's in the group. He's actually in control of the Canadian branch of Nexium, And his wife is like kind of famous. I think she was a Canadian actress or something. Her name is Bonnie Pisces or Pacey. I've heard different pronunciations. Mm. Now, she had recently defected. And he was like, why would my wife leave this? Especially because I'm in control of a whole branch of this. Like, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Bonnie left because she said she felt and saw things that were unjust that were happening to the women in the group. So Mark had heard this and Mark heard Bonnie's stories, but he's like, maybe she just had a bad experience. Like, I don't want to blame everything on this. But then um, he heard about what happened with Sarah. And he's like, wait a minute. She has like the same stories as my wife. But she's in New York and like, that's a whole different section. And like, hmm. So he started like adding things up and he realized that he thinks that there's a lot happening in Nexium that he like is unaware of. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I feel that we're doing such an early recording, guys, because Kylie and Thena have really busy lives lately that we've been changing up our schedule. And so it's a really early Sunday morning. And because of that, um, I forgot. I was just really dumb this morning. I made my breakfast. I made my coffee. And then I noticed I had something in my teeth. So I went and brushed my teeth. And then my coffee tasted bad. So I decided no coffee for me. <laughs> so now here I am. So sleepy. Okay. Now, with this all happening, like, it ends up becoming another defection. Because is defection a word? Well, a defecting group, a defection? I think you can call it a defection. I don't know, actually. It doesn't sound wrong, but that means it, it probably is knowing it me. It doesn't sound right either. Yeah. <laughs> a defector. A group of defect. A defector. A defection. I think a defection might be yeah. right, actually. Um, But they end up having a... I'm going to keep going with defection because I kind of like it now at this point. <laughs> um, Sorry if it's not a real, a real word. Oh. Um, no, defection is a real word. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Does it mean the same thing, though? Because that'd be funny. Well, because that's something English would do. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it does. Okay. Okay. Yeah. A defection or a defector is a person that gives up allegiance to one state in exchange for allegiance to another, usually changing sides, considering illegitimately by the first state. The broad defection involves abandoning the person, cause or doctrine to which was bound by some tie of allegiance or duties. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Usually referred to by religions yep. <laughs> was the next line. Yeah. OK. Defection. Now, there was a big defection after this. Right. Sarah left this man named Anthony Ames, which you find out is Sarah's husband, who was also part of it. Mark, Mark's wife, Bonnie. But Bonnie technically kind of happened right before. And then there were a bunch of others. They were all like, all right, we're going to expose what's happening because it's clearly messed up. And like the women that Sarah got branded with realized things was wrong. A few other women like. There, there were quite a bit of people in this defection. It's almost bigger than the Nexium 9 at this point. Now, since Mark was in charge of the Canadian headquarters of Nexium and him leading it, it left the Canadian side of things leaderless and a wonder to why a leader would leave because he's obviously treated better than most people and he's a man and all the women are like, why did a man leave the group? The men mm-hmm. aren't the ones getting treated bad. Like, So now they're kind of like almost willing to stand up for themselves at this point. But... You got to remember what Keith does to people that he deems as enemies and like defectors. So they're also still scared. Like they're slightly empowered, but the fear is still there. Sarah ended up going to the FBI to meet with them to try to tell her side of the story about what was happening inside Nexium. How do you just go to the FBI? We've heard this in other stories. Do you like, can you just Google? I want to talk to the FBI. Well, I mean, it is a place. Like they have a headquarters, but you can go there. <laughs> I, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Can you, like, but some people are just like, I called the FBI. I sent an email. Because remember, in a case not that long ago, the boyfriend emailed the FBI. How do you just, like, 
can oh, do yeah. that stuff. That's so odd sounding. It sounds fake. I know it's not, but it sounds so fake being like, yeah. So I emailed the government um, and the <laughs> FBI. The CIA was a little busy. Right. They told me it was they it, they were taking lunch that day. Like, what? You just Googled how to text the FBI and you did it? OK, let's see. How do you set up a meeting with an FBI agent? Um. Could you go to the police and have them do it for you? Is that what you should do? You can look up the local FBI office in your area and your call will be screened in order to assign your call slash request to the appropriate agent. Or if a specific crime or wanted person already has an agent or division assigned, there is possibly a number listed that you call and share your information. So if you were like calling like um, like Crime Stoppers, uh huh. If it, if there was like an FBI person involved, then you would call that number. Okay, I know Crime Scene and Cupcakes, the podcast, knows how to do this more than likely, and is yelling at me while listening right now, being like, <laughs> "You dummy!" <laughs> and I'm like, uh, "I'm dumb." <laughs> Because I just want to email the government. Okay. Because I know how you do it with the homicide division. Like, yeah, because, okay. Like, because I had to go there when I saw that homicide and you literally just do that. You literally just go to them and they're usually near the police department, but not attached. Yeah. And you just walk in the front door and ask to speak to someone. Yeah. And they do it. It's terrifying. The building was so big and it was set up like a maze. Oh my God. It was so stressful. But that's literally what you do. Or they were like, if you need to get a hold of us and you can't, you can go to the police station and tell them you want the homicide division because usually one of our workers is there also. Yeah. Like on call. And I was like, okay. That makes sense. I don't want to know this information, but thank you. Right. Like I shouldn't need to have this information. No. I feel like, but well, now you guys know we taught you how to call the <laughs> FBI. You're welcome. <laughs> don't abuse the powers we give you. Um, now, she meets with the FBI and she tells them her side of the story. And then she also com- com- files a complaint to the New York State Department of Health about her initiation to DOS and like the branding. This goes Which is highly illegal. Just so. OK, wait until you hear how so they do it. So many ways, <laughs> like so many levels. That is highly illegal. This doesn't really get her anywhere, which is so sad to say, like no one really takes it seriously yet. Now, when she tells the New York Times, here's how they like reported the account like of her experience. Okay, they said Sarah wanted to join this cult, essentially, and she was required to send naked photos of herself as collateral to the master. Then Sarah was blindfolded, held down naked on a massage table and instructed to say, Master, please brand me. It would be an honor. Sarah and the women were branded by a cauterizing pen device drawing on a small symbol featuring Keith Raniere's initials near her pelvis bone. And it took 45 minutes. Jesus Christ. Like, no. When I was thinking about this in my head, I was thinking like when you brand a calf. Yeah. And I was thinking like, okay, so you heat up that thing and you press it to their skin and it's done. Yeah. No, they did a pen, like almost like a tattoo. No. Yeah. So the cauterizing pen is used in surgeries. Yeah. To like, you know, cut away skin from skin and or things from things. Yeah. Um, that is not that is why it it didn't heal well. Like they needed to create their own literal branding like thing. And like cauterizing, pens, cauterizing pins are sharp. Yeah. 
the scary thing is, so when I was hot, (laughs) yeah, very hot. When I was writing this outline, do you want to know the scariest part about all this? I don't know. You can just buy cauterizing pens on Amazon. Yeah. Like, I don't like that. I didn't like that one bit. On Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like cauterizingpen.com. It's <laughs> hospital 101 safety equipment.com. Dot net. Now, this should have been like a really big clue to everyone that things are clearly not wrong. And this is probably a cult. Like the fact that they're bringing in new members giving them collateral and then branding them. But the FBI was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Leave it to our government. We to don't just, have time for yeah. that. Leave it to our government to just be like, meh. Well, and that's the thing. This is happening everywhere, remember, because he had right. the um, Mexican uh, president's yeah. uh, daughter? daughter and then yeah. the ex-Mexican president's son. As well as other people. Like, he had the three daughters, remember? Yeah. And the one girl was kept for 24 months in the freaking room. Right. Like, there are a lot. And there it's it's in other places of the world, too. And obviously in Canada well, and like, and stuff. Sarah doesn't know all these things. So, like, they need to do their job and, like, look into it. But yeah. Sarah doesn't know these things. She just knows her experience. And she's like, this is fucked up. I'm going to tell you about it. And I just now realized, I forgot to ever put Sarah's last name. I think it begins with an E. This is not the same Sarah as Sarah and Claire Bronfman. I forgot that there was another Sarah in this outline up until now because I haven't talked about her the whole time because Sarah ends up not being a key player. That Bronfman, Sarah Bronfman's not as big of a key player. Claire Bronfman's the key player. Mm -hmm. So sorry if I confused anyone for the past like 15 minutes. I didn't think about that. My bad. Okay. Now, Sarah ends up going to this man named Frank Parlato. Okay. Frank is the bomb. We love Frank in these parts. Go fucking Frank. <laughs> we love Frank in these parts. All right. Frank's a key player in the exposure of Nexium, And I could have brought him up literally like almost in part one. Uh, I could have brought him up so many times in part two, but I saved him. I saved him for part three, even though he's been around this whole time. So Frank was the publicist and PR member for Nexium. Oh, he was hired in 2007 by Keith to help spread the word of Nexium in a good way. Yeah. Well, then Frank was like, the fuck is happening here? <laughs> no. <laughs> so he's like, I think there's some shady shit going on. Keith. And he's like, there's not. It's fine. Just report the good things. And Frank's like, no. No. <laughs> no. So Frank gets fired. Literally, like, less than a year after he gets hired, he gets fired. Okay. And then Frank's like, that's fine. I don't mind being fired. I'm going to expose you. And Keith's like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) You know too much. Right. So Keith decides to start trying to sue him because he all of a sudden deems him as an enemy of Nexium. Right. Nexus. Right. And he knew that Frank knew too much. And Frank was willing to talk about it openly, even if that bit Frank in the ass. So Frank ended up blogging about Nexium. On his own website. He called it the Frank Report. And he just started telling things about Nexium. Now, he wrote about DOS, about Nexium, about everything. Like, he had a whole thing. Now, all this was happening. And you're probably like, well, why didn't the members be like, holy shit, this is happening? Right. 
Well, because Frank and Keith never saw eye to eye when Frank was even working for Nexium, So they didn't believe that. That worked because they were like, remember how shitty he was when he worked here? Well, now I fired him and he's just a disgruntled employee. And so, you know, right. he's making up lies. So it almost worked in Keith's favor that Frank wanted to expose him in a sense. Well, to them. To them. Yeah. Yeah. So in the next effort, Sarah and Frank, they're they're now in cahoots. Good teamwork right there. That's some mm-hmm. good teamwork. That's like watching Batman and Robin come together. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. So they end up going to the New York Times in the summer of 2017, and they tell them they have a story that needs exposure. And they want to leak Nexium as a cult. So they're openly starting to do it. They're like, um, this sounds like a cult. Yeah. Well, they meet up with this man named Barry Meyer and he was like, OK, that sounds great. But here's the thing. If you want me to publish a story, the only way it's going to get noticed is if I have real stories from real defectors and members and things like that. Like real evidence. Um, I'm not going to write it and publish it if anyone's anonymous in it, because that's not going to get any traction. Which I. That's fair. I Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. That sucks, but that makes sense. Yeah. So they were like, well, fuck, no one wants to come forward and tell their story because of what Keith does to the members that are defected. Right. And no one wanted to feel stupid enough for being like, well, I was in a cult, (laughs) like a really (laughs) fucked up cult. Right. (laughs) Well, after a while, a few of the members that had defected all decided it's better to go on this recording and try and shut things down than let Keith get away with this for longer, even if it makes them... Hi, Saber. Saber agrees. <laughs> She's like, man, this cult. This, this cult is shitty. whack. <laughs> I got opinions. Let me bite Keith's ass. <laughs> um, so uh, they were like, you know, it's better to look stupid for being in a cult than let Keith get away for putting more people in this cult. Right. On October 17th, 2017, the New York Times featured an article titled Inside a Secretive Group Where Women Are Branded. And you can find that on the New York Times website. And the they talk in the story about what has been happening as well as what happened that day when the women were branded and as well as how they treat the members of the group, like the women. The story was then led into a Justice Department investigation upon Keith and Nexium, And a lot of members worldwide of Nexium started defecting when they started hearing about this. Because even if they clearly hadn't gone through it, they knew it was going to happen. But if they had gone through it, they were like, look, some people made it out. Because that's another thing. Oh, yeah, that's another thing that they're scared of. Yeah, because you have to also realize they know that, yeah, Keith sues people, things like that. But remember also, Kristen died. Uh, The other woman died of cancer. They don't know if Keith's a murderer or not. And then there was that recording that was found where Keith talks about if he needs to, he could kill someone. And you hear about things like Jonestown, where when you try to leave, you get killed. So you're like, okay, I can't leave a cult, even if I know I'm in a cult, because that's when people get killed in the cult. Right. But if I stay, I'm going to probably die (laughs) in the cult. cult. Right. So it's very scary. But with that being the case, they don't know if they leave, they're going to try and get killed, if they're going to get sued, what's happening. But now they're like, oh, shit, people made it out. And look, they're going on to tell their story. So clearly I can do this, too, maybe. Well, and if you had a story of your own that was like super fucked up, you'd be like, well, I need to do this. Mm -hmm. Just and other people are doing this. I need to do this. Leaving a cult is. More hard than just that, too. You have to also think, what if it's all you have? What if it's all you know? Like, Mm -hmm. that collateral you gave. But what if you give, 
you've gave all your money. You probably sold your house. You probably live on the compound or you're making money and you don't have anything else. Probably your whole family's in it, too. So if you leave and your family doesn't agree with you and they don't leave, you lost your family. That's happened so many times in cults we hear about. Like, yeah, one of the members will leave and they have to either leave their kids or their parents or their significant others behind, especially when it's a parent having to leave their kids. What if your kids are literal children and what if your kid's in the rainbow thing and Keith is like, well, I'm keeping your kid. And if not, your kid potentially could get killed, too. Like you are scared for your kid's life. Leaving a cult is harder than just, oh, this is injustice. I'm going to leave. Yeah. Now, Keith was unaware. Oh, also, while all this was happening, the Me Too movement started going strong. Really? So, um, which, you know why the Me Too movement started, right? Uh, no. I don't know. Um, whole... Oh, goodness. It was. Yeah, that's probably an episode, honestly. Oh, my gosh. Um, So it was a big thing because of the Harvey Weinstein stuff and the sexual abuse that he had to uh, his like workers and stuff. So Harvey Weinstein stuff starts hitting the news. And so the Me Too movement really gets in full swing. So now this comes up the Nexium thing. And oh, my God, it's like um, a trifecta right there. That's like a hurricane, a monsoon, and a tornado all hit at the same time. Now, all that was going on and Keith was unaware because he didn't know the FBI had opened an investigation about him. But once he found out, he went MIA. (laughs) Of course. He ran away. He started to lay low and he kind of just stopped checking in at the branches and everything else. The rumor mill was that he ran away to an island that was owned by Claire Bronfman and he was in hiding. Because people just own islands these days. <laughs> right. Must be nice. Yeah. Me and my islands. We don't. I don't go there very often. I don't want to make other people think I'm inferior for not owning islands. <laughs> On January 18th, 2018, a search warrant was issued for Keith's email account, hoping to find more information. And then on Valentine's Day that same year, uh, an FBI agent issued a federal warrant for Keith as well. I nope. love how fitting that is. On Valentine's Day. Yes. <laughs> Uh, no one knew where Keith was still, but in March, there was a tip. No, there wasn't a tip. There was a straight, they know where he is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I use the term tip. Like, they found out. Nikki Klein, who was a master in DOS, posted a photo on her Instagram where she's standing in front of Keith's villa in Puerto Vallarta of Mexico, and they literally go there, and Keith's That's just hanging out. <laughs> Like, girl. <laughs> Bro, imagine being Keith and being like, how the fuck did they find me? And Nikki's like, I got it lead a post <laughs> like oh that's so embarrassing um so when they get there the um mexican federal police show up there is nikki klein lauren salzman and allison mack all there and they're all present in mexico and they said that they were there because he was hosting a commitment ceremony but really uh keith just wanted like a giant group blowjob done on him right now it probably would have been an orgy but remember right. he's he's celibate right so it just it's only a blowjob because right. he only does oral stuff back and forth, which is still sex, guys. <laughs> still sex. So before it occurred, the Mexican federal police did show up. So the women barricaded the door shut while Keith hid in a walk in closet. <laughs> OK, <laughs> they're not going to find you. It's fine. You'll be fine. We got this. You're they're fine. just the police, honey. It's just, yeah, it's just the, the authorities. We are strong <laughs> women. We are part of DOS. We are empowered. You taught us that, honey. God damn it, bitches. 
I love that we both tried so hard to contain ourselves and then slowly <laughs> kept quietly laughing until it what? turned full blown. Like, yeah, Keith, that's going to work. Just go in a walk-in closet. You'll be fine. <laughs> Why didn't he at least, like, crawl out of a window You know, or they, something? like, they go through training for, like, a year to find people. Like, that's what they do. So walk-in closet's a great animal, idea. Like, okay. <laughs> He ends up getting arrested March 2018 by the authorities, and he was instantly indicted on multiple charges. Clearly. So <laughs> this is the fallout of everything that's Nexium. Like, obviously, this is like the the height of everything going downhill. In the New York Post, there was an article in April 2018 that said Nexium had moved from Albany to Brooklyn, and it was now going to be led by Claire Bronfman. In June of 2018, the Times Union reported that Nexium had essentially shut down, and it's because of, and they quoted, Extraordinary circumstances facing the company. Extraordinary You don't say. <laughs> you don't say. Now, I'm going to fuck up the whole rest of this episode. This is going to be the... Do you guys remember that one episode? The date in Christmas one. Where I like had to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And yeah. Back and, okay. I decided we're going to kind of do that again. <laughs> We're going to go back and forth, but we're doing it for a specific reason. Now, originally I wrote this all as one timeline, like what happened 2017, 2018, 2019, 2022, you know, like going down the list, but then it was so messy. So I was like, no, we're going to do one person. What happened from start to finish, then move on, rewind, go from one person, start to finish, rewind one person. So we're going to do it that way instead so that you just hear what happened to each person individually. Okay. Now, with that being the case, I'm going to talk about racketeering a lot. Okay. And a lot of people don't know what racketeering is, I have learned, because people asked me after the first episode or messaged because Kylie had said, I can't think off the top of my head what racketeering is. So I was like, oh, bet I'm going to put it in here. Um, so you got it. <laughs> Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So I couldn't think of how to just like end that sentence. It didn't go anywhere. So racketeering is listed as dishonest and fraudulent business dealings. It's specific to business though. Right. Okay. So see, that's what I thought, Uh but you can define business in different ways. It looked like, Oh, it can be a self business. It can be like a company. It can be a corporation. I would say like anything making money would be. It didn't sound like that. It also said things that just have a any bindings, like almost like a contract. Oh, yeah. See, so business isn't. Oh, yeah, because you could have collateral. Yeah. And so that's how like it's anything that you could have a coercive, fraudulent, extortionary like scheme to it. And it's supposed to have some sort of a profit or a margin. Okay. So like, yeah, maybe it's not a profit, but it has a margin of you're bringing in people. The people are the profit. Does that make sense? Like that's how the cult became a profit. Yeah. It was really confusing. I had to read so much because at first, like I kept getting, I like, I had to like define profit then in those terms because I was like, okay, profit money. And then it was like, well, and besides money. And I'm like, well, what's besides money? Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I had to keep looking it up in different ways until I finally got like a full example of what racketeering is. And it's crazy because now so many cases that I've heard and like looked at over the years, I'm like, oh, my God, they could have thrown a racketeering charge on to give them a few extra years if things didn't work out. And now I see sometimes why 
certain cases, they're like, we're going to go for the big one. And if that doesn't work, then we're going to save all the little ones and add them all up. Or we're going to add all the little ones up. And then if that doesn't work, like, especially when they're like trying to get a conviction for like a murderer, but they don't Mm -hmm. know if they can or not. They're like, we're going to try and see if we can get it on manslaughter or murder or whatever's happening, you know? And then if not, they're like, okay, now we're going to go with distortion of evidence, racketeering and uh, fraudulent bank activity, because each of those are a five year. We'll at least have 15 years to keep building the big case again to try and do it again. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So I get it now. Like racketeering is so wild. And I love that word. Yeah, it's I a nice love word. word racketeering. It sounds like a badminton term. It's it does. Not. <laughs> sounds it's, like a sports term. I want to know the history of how racketeering became racketeering, but I didn't have time to do all that. I literally finished this outline at like 2 a.m. Of course. <laughs> oh, I have my computer set up in my house. We'll talk about that later. Okay. okay. <laughs> now, let's start talking about these people. Okay, guys. All right. We're going to start with Claire Bromfman, one of the sisters. Now, Sarah didn't become a big member, Sarah Bromfman. So I just glaze over her. She had nothing happen to her. Sarah's just out and living life. Okay. Okay. And I am going to post photos of every single one of these people. I think if I remembered to get them all on this week's Tuesday post for the new episode, I think I got all these people so that you can at least see what they look like and whatever. They're very skinny. Well, that's the thing. It's hard to find pictures of them as skinny as possible. Yeah. Because they stopped taking photos. They stopped doing things. So they all just look like normal skinniness, like an like an average skinny person, not a I'm going out of my way to starve myself skinny is the problem. Yeah. But trust me, they got to that point. OK. Now, Claire Bromfman was arrested by federal agents on July 24th, 2018 in New York City. She was charged with money laundering and identity theft. She pleaded not guilty and was released on a $100 million bond. Well, she has the money. While being placed on house arrest. Yeah. Well, just wait. (laughs) On April 19th, 2019, Claire pleaded guilty to conspiracy to conceal and harbor illegal aliens for financial gain and fraudulent use of identification. Yikes. Because remember when I talked way back in episode two saying that that one person was here illegally the mexican president's daughter yeah and that that'll come back to bite people in the ass yep dun 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 there it is on september 30th 2020 she was sentenced to six and a half years in prison by a federal judge plus a few hefty fines she's currently in the federal correction institution of danbury connecticut now i put claire first for a reason claire has money Mm -hmm. money gets away with anything almost you've learned in life Mm -hmm. people Right. If Claire is going to prison for 6.5 years. Do you think anyone else is not going to go to prison at this no, point? So like, yeah. like, oh, you better. If you heard that and you're part of this, you got to start figuring out your fucking plan of action. You got to rat someone else out to get your time lowered. You got to start taking plea deals like no. Right. Other. You got to have information. So keeping that in mind, that's what's on everyone's mind is I got to have information. I got to bargain. All right. Next up, Nancy Salzman. She was charged with identity theft and altering records to influence the outcome of lawsuits against Nexium. This one's a hefty sentence. I'm going to read it. Just really take in what I'm saying. Okay. In the Federal District Court of Brooklyn, Nancy admitted that she had planned invasions of privacy that had involved email accounts. She had altered of rec- alterations of recordings that were edited to remove sections that they didn't want to turn over to police authorities and legal systems, as well as to opponents 
in ongoing lawsuits for Nexium's favor. I think that's illegal, right? That <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like there's so much in that yeah. sentence. Like yeah. that's a hard sentence to unpack. But all I hear is she did illegal stuff that was really illegal, and then continued being illegal, and then admitted to being illegal, and then illegally tried to omit the illegal <laughs> stuff being more illegal. <laughs> Well, and Nancy also, like, uh, you got to remember, she was the one that also in the beginning had when like people defected and stuff. She also helped wipe stuff back then and everything. Yeah, she's just a swiper and a swipey. She's swiping hard. (laughs) She swipe hard. (laughs) In March of 2019, she pleaded guilty to a single charge of racketeering. That's it. One single charge. We might have to make that a sticker. A racketeering sticker? With a swiper, racket? Swiper, no swiping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make it, guys. I thought you were gonna say it. No racketeering and have a racket. <laughs> that would be funny, too. <laughs> um, On September 8th, 2021, Nancy was sentenced to three and a half years in prison and a $150,000 fine. Nancy's in the Federal Correction Institution in Hazleton, West Virginia. On July 17th of this year, like 2023... There's a New York Post article that came out and I found that like literally last night in the middle of the night mm-hmm. because that's that was just a few weeks ago, literally. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so obviously I forgot. I'm a dumbass. I forgot to put it in my sources. So just know right now that I'm talking about it's a New York Post article. Go find it yourself. And Nancy said that she wants out of prison early because she has breast cancer concerns. Oh, the article started by saying the Nexium co-founder Nancy Salzman wants to be immediately sprung from federal prison, telling a judge she's worried her breast cancer has come back after a worrisome ultrasound earlier this year. Now, the same judge has done all of this, and it's Judge Nicholas Garifus and go him. He does not take shit from anybody. You'll find out. Now, uh, Judge Garifus ordered the Bureau of Prisons to give Nancy a new MRI within the next 30 days. Because Nancy has had two prior occurrences of breast cancer, one in 2011 and one in 2018. And she did end up having a mastectomy because of it. And this is all information that was given to the judge from the lawyers. So because of this, she is eligible for compassionate release if it's true. And that could happen on September 7th if she stays out of trouble. Um, If she's lying. So if she has a confirmed. Yeah. If she's lying then not. and like there was a lot more that went into that whole situation because at first they were like well have you gotten one and she's like i've been asking for a new mri for like months and no one's giving it to me oh. so the judge pretty much is like here's the but, deal yeah you have 30 days i don't care how it happens someone have it happen and then the judges and the lawyers did kind of argue the like uh the defense and prosecutors because they were like well if you just release her she can go get it whenever she wants and he's like i'm not gonna release her until i see it on paper that she's not lying and they're like well she can't get it on paper until she's released right so it's been like this little fight and he's like no no i don't care how it happens get it done 30 days yeah so um so there's where she's at in life now, we talked about Allison in part one because she's currently out of prison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she was originally going to serve a minimum of 15 years. Like, I think hers was like 15 to 40 years, something like that. It was a big one. Yeah. If she was found guilty. But then she negotiated an active plea negotiation where she gave up information about Keith to help her get a different sentence. I mean, wouldn't you? Obviously. <laughs> now, Allison could have probably even gotten off even more scotch-free. However. Allison nailed herself into the coffin at one point. Now, she had so many recordings and evidence against her 
there were recordings of her and Keith talking about the branding like we talked about earlier. But also there were dozens of messages back and forth between her and Keith that discussed her recruiting members and wanting to be paid for it. And for paying, uh, she wanted actual cash money payment for recruiting members for him to groom and setting these members up. Highly illegal. So (laughs) that made her second in command at Nexium, supposedly. And because of those, she still was no matter what going to get something like they were not going to let that go. Right. On April 8th, 2019, Allison pleaded guilty to racketeering and racketeering conspiracies. She admitted to state law extortion and forced labor. In 2021, prosecutors began the process of sentencing Allison and the U.S. attorney gave some credit since Allison did provide detailed and highly corroborated information. So ultimately, that's what gave her the better sentencing. Days before her sentencing, though, she released a statement in a letter which she said uh, she was really apologetic for her involvement with Nexium, saying it was the biggest mistake and greatest regret of her life. She expressed remorse and regard for anyone that was affected by it, hoping that that would work. Uh, her lawyers were then like, she's sorry. So can we avoid jail? <laughs> I'm not even kidding. That's no. literally what happened. Then um, on July 30th, 2021, she was sentenced to three years in prison and three years of probation once she's done. A thousand hours of community service and then a fine of twenty thousand dollars. A thousand hours. That's so much. That's so many hours. Allison was in the Federal Correction Institution of Dublin, California. She was released July 3rd, 2023. She only ended up serving 21 months of the 36 month sentence. And supposedly she was released on good behavior, uh, reported the New York Post. Hmm. So I think she still will have the three years probation, though, right? Even though she got off on good behavior? Or does that, like, negate that, you think? No, I would assume you still get the probation to make sure you're not an idiot in I feel like also, life. I'm, this is a new rule I've decided. Okay. I've decided that if you have prison for a certain amount of time and you get released early and you're supposed to have probation anyways, or if you don't, I think you should be on probation for that time limit that you should have still been in jail and or, like, add that to your probation that you were going to have. Because... We put you in prison the first time for a reason. Right. I would like us to still monitor slightly when you get out to make sure that you truly are changed because maybe you only changed for prison. Right. Maybe you only changed because you were scared in prison. Maybe you only changed because you wanted an earlier sentence. I would like a little bit more monitoring here. Yeah. I agree with that. That's a new law that I would like to put into effect. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Where's that (laughs) little wooden box? (laughs) I'm going to go knock on it. (laughs) The comment box. Is, is that what it's called? Like you need to email the government? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know how to email the government, guys. <laughs> All right. Next up, Nexium's bookkeeper. I've not even mentioned this woman. <laughs> Kathy Russell. I didn't mention her because she kind of was, like, ignored until this point. This but she was a fuckhead, too. Yeah, I'm sure. So she was one of the bookkeepers. She pleaded to guilty to one account of visa fraud in April of 2019. And she had to go because of the federal sentence guidelines. She had res- the uh, the possibility of six months to a year in prison. Now, here's what happened in her case. In February 2014, Kathy presented a false letter to the U.S. consulate in Mexico, claiming that a woman named Loretta Garza needed a work visa to be a management consultant for Nexium to perform strategic and marketing needs. So they had like a real reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she wasn't doing that. Mm-mm. She helped set up and work at the Rainbow Cultural Gardens. Mm. That school thing that he built for kids. And it was listed as an international chain of schools built in on Keith Ranieri's teachings that claim to immerse children in nine languages at once. 
Now we know it was a grooming thing actually now loretta was also one of the main masters in dos and so technically she was here on a false visa that was created by kathy russell and that's why she's a bitch (laughs) um also she was one of the bookkeepers so she knew everything and she was a main master so like that's why she got yeah thrown in with everyone next up lauren salzman nancy's daughter she which you have to think i wonder if lauren would have been in this cult if her mom wasn't yeah that's so okay so she avo- fucked up yeah. in so many levels. She avoided jail time. She still had a bunch of stuff happen to her, but she avoided actual jail time because she cooperated with giving up information. Lauren pleaded guilty to racketeering and racketeering conspiracy, but with her help to bring down Keith, she ended up with only five years of probation and 300 hours of community service. That one rubs me the wrong way because I will say Lauren helped make the decision and be part of that whole thing about keeping the girl in the room for 24 months. Mm. so i think she should have had a little bit more because that's almost like kid is it kidnapping i don't know but she did that so well and also sarah yeah yeah okay now what happened with keith we've talked about all these people so there was an original hearing in texas but keith was quickly sent up to brooklyn where he faced charges that he forced women to engage in sex that was the first big thing they started with Mm mm-hmm On May 7th, 2019, the trial officially began and there was so much that went into it. We're going to sum it up. But you could do just a whole episode on just this. I'm sure. So there was an affidavit that was filed as part of the criminal complaint. An FBI agent stated that Keith had maintained a rotating group of 15 to 20 women with whom he maintained sexual relations with. It was an eight page letter and prosecutors said that he has spent his life profiting from pyramid schemes and otherwise received financial backing from independently wealthy women such as Claire and Sarah Bromfman. During the trial, the court heard from it was like 15 or so women that spoke out, but um, they specifically heard about the three daughters that were sexually groomed Mm -hmm. since being teenagers that we kind of just talked about. They heard about Mariana, who was the mother of Keith's second biological daughter who was a teenager. They heard about Daniela, who was the one who was held in solitary confinement by Keith for two years. They heard about Camilla, who was sexually assaulted from Keith from ages 15 to 27 years old. And the hardest part about this was at the time of the trial, Mariana and her father both still supported Keith and Nexium. What? Yeah. Okay. One former member who, and everyone had fake names and was like under witness protection and stuff like that. She identified only as Nicole. She described how her experience in Nexium was how one day Keith took her to a house, told her to disrobe, blindfolded her, tied her to a table and asked her questions about her sexual history while another person performed oral sex on her. There were tons of witnesses, testimonies from members of Nexium, former members, defectors, cult experts, and recordings that were played. On June 19th, 2019, Keith was convicted on several offenses. Here is what he was convicted of. Are you ready? It's his own paragraph. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) Okay. Sexual exploitation of a child. Possession of child pornography. Sex trafficking. Attempted sex trafficking. Identity theft. And this was of multiple people, but here's the most fucked up one, including Pam K. Fritz, the ex that died of cancer. After she died, he stole her identity. What a dick. And remember, people think that he poisoned her to give her cancer and kill her anyways. Right. Okay. Trafficking for labor, forced labor, conspiracy to alter records, sex trafficking conspiracy, forced labor conspiracy, racketeering conspiracy, and wire fraud conspiracy. My goodness. 
So the jury found him guilty after five hours of deliberation. That's nothing. That's 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 a blink of an eye for a jury. On October 27th, 2020, Keith Vanguard Rainier was sentenced to 120 years in prison and fined $1.75 million. Dang. Currently, Keith is serving his sentence at the United States Penitentiary in Tuscan, Arizona. It's, it's Tucson. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucky word. Okay. <laughs> it's Tucson. <laughs> Tuxin. <laughs> Tuscan. First off, Tuscan under the Tuscan sun. Oh, that's in Italy. <laughs> I know, but that's what I wanted it to be. <laughs> I didn't say Tuxin. Oh. Tu- Tuscan. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I still said a place. I'm just on the other side of the pond. Yeah, it's fine. Um, he's in Tucson, Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> Jesus. Um, also, I forgot to mention somewhere in here, but they made Nancy Salzman sell a bunch of the real estate that Nexium owned to help pay for some of these fees. Just a side note. Now, Keith accused Judge Graffis of corruption and demanded a new trial. Yeah, no, he said no twice. He denied that. He's like, no, nah, there is no corruption. Keith, corruption? Yep. For what? I don't know. Now, since his arrest, Keith has spoken out a little bit and he had a... Uh, a report done like he like talked to like the new york times and all this stuff mm-hmm. you ready to hear what he's complaining about yeah i'm ready he said since being in prison it's been pretty bad it's been awful actually yeah he said he had to eat in a feces covered cell he also had a trans roommate that's, <gasps> that's hilarious though. he said while in prison he has feared for his life <laughs> Because of all those child charges. He said he fears for his life because his cellmate also was a known hermaphrodite. And that hermaphrodite vowed to kill sex offenders, especially ones that sex offended children, just like him. (gasps) What a bad roommate. Sounds fitting. (laughs) Now, he wrote this in a handwritten letter that it was a complaint he submitted to the U.S. Bureau of Prison. And they were like, sucks to suck. (laughs) Huh. Do you remember when you trapped that little girl in a room for two years? Right. Yeah. At least she was alone. Like, shouldn't have to deal with people. Your roommate has to deal with you. For real. They feel bad for the roommate, not for you, Keith. Right. He said he also once had to spend months in solitary confinement because the prison officials lost his paperwork during an incarceration part. Again, you kept a little girl. (laughs) Well, okay. She wasn't a little girl. She was an adult by the time it happened, but you started grooming her as a little girl. And then when she finally was an adult and found someone that cared about her correctly and wasn't a creepy, gross old guy, Mm -hmm. you trapped her in a room. Mm -hmm. So again, I don't feel sorry for you, Keith. He also complained that because he had exposure to like 200 inmates during like passing periods, he got COVID. Mm. Hmm. So that's like not fair. Like he's a good boy. Why does he get COVID? He's a good boy. <laughs> he also complained that the pepper spray the prison guards use to control the inmates, it aggravates his asthma. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> My God. So yeah, he's not having fun in prison, guys. Good. Um, but yeah, so that's where a lot of the players <laughs> are at. There a lot of them are still in prison. And then you have some random people that are out and some that were just released. Obviously, like a lot of the people I've spoke out, there's the documentary on uh, HBO. That's the one that I really suggest called The Vow. It has two seasons. The second season came out last year. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's really up to date and it has a lot of firsthand accounts. 
And they do really well explaining things so that you can see it from like other people's point of views and stuff too, which is really nice. The Seduce Inside the Nexium Cult documentary is really good too. It's just a little bit more dry feeling and I feel like it has less people talking that were part of it. So it's harder to like feel the emotion, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. but there's where it is. That's Nexium. My Ky- goodness. Kylie picked cult, y'all. <laughs> How do you feel about the cult? You were like, Athena, all you do is pick sex cults. I'm going to pick a different one. And I said, okay, what do you want? And you said, let's do Nexium. I said, are you sure? (laughs) Carly's like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, okay, girl, you got it. Okay. And then like, she's like, can you sum it up for me? And I literally summed it up and I was just like, so it's a sex cult. And here's what happened. And then she's just like, God damn it. Okay. Just fucking write the outline, Athena. Just fucking do it. Just get it over with. Okay, we had our hiatus. Yeah. And- I spent five weeks writing this outline in the end. Yeah. That's crazy. Because I literally finished it last night and I started halfway through the first week of hiatus. That's five weeks. That's five weeks. That's so many times. <laughs> We've been really busy in those five weeks, though. Oh also, like it wasn't just like seven days of five weeks no. straight through like although last night busy. i started rewriting this outline i had finished it and then i decided i didn't like it guys oh my god so last <laughs> night i started at 9 p.m and i finished at like 1 or 2 a.m and we don't have <laughs> i'm always doing something in my house i have doors in my door frames right now because they're outside being painted <laughs> Oh my goodness. Because we, we had those like ugly ass hollow doors. We had doors like yours. Yeah. I hate them. Yeah. I hate them. So we added, uh, molding to all of them and like made them fancier looking, you know, and like we've been doing that. And then I have like a paint sprayer. So we took them outside and we're going to paint spray them all down. Mm -hmm. Cause, uh, since everything in our house is white, we're painting our doors like a really pretty grayish color Mm -hmm. so that they like pop, you know? And cause the support beams in our house are black. So like everything's like they pop. Well, anyways, uh, so all of our doors are just like outside because this is the only time it hasn't monsooned in the past few days at our (laughs) fucking neighborhood. It's been so humid. Yesterday it was like 90% humidity. We've lost power at our house like six times in the past week. It's insane. One time we lost it for like five hours and we have a well. So like to pull up our water is electric. So we're like dying and we're like, well, let's go to Walmart to go to the bathroom. Yep. That happened to us too. Yeah, it was awful. So with that being the case, uh, we didn't have doors. So last night I had to like quietly type and quietly do stuff because Margie was trying to sleep and she's the lightest sleeper ever. And I'm like, oh my God, this oh my is my God. nightmare. <laughs> but I did it. I rewrote the whole thing last night. Finished. Well, Woo-hoo. so I'm sure it was fine from the beginning. It probably was. You're but just eccentric. <laughs> yeah, I just, I didn't like it. Right. So I've talked about my sources a million times. I... Honestly, this episode's so long, I'm not going to do them again. My sources are in part one and part two, so I guess go listen to those. The only sources I added really was the ones about, uh, I added two New York Times posts. The one that I talked about earlier in the episode, and I added one more New York Times post where Keith talks about how much he hates prison. That's it. So there's my sources. If you don't know what they are, then you didn't listen to part one and two, and I'm mad at you. (laughs) I'm mad at you. So... Okay, next week we have a normal, well, that's a normal to say, a normal yeah. episode. It's just about a, a person that gets murdered. <laughs> so a normal episode. Not a cult. Not a cult. Uh, we're taking a break from cults for two months at least. Maybe. Or less. Or more. We're ten episodes away from our hundredth episode. Oh my fucking Christ. <laughs> I gotta do another big thing? <laughs> what do you mean? Um, Everything's big things! Okay. Yeah. We don't know what we're doing for that yet. Yeah. We if don't you know. have any ideas, you know. Shoot them our way. Yeah. Tell us things. Or like 
Are you guys expecting us to like give something away or what do you guys want from us? <laughs> you mean a giveaway? <laughs> like what do we do with a hundred episodes? That's it's so just many. So many. That's so many episodes. Do you guys want us to have like a guest? Do you guys want us to collaborate with another podcast? What do you want with us? What do you want us to do? What? Do you want? All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, goodbye. All right. We're gonna leave because uh, it's I'm sleepy. All right. So thank you guys to make this podcast happen and making it what it is. Thank you. You guys are part of the CSP family and community. It's great that we have this and we like being able to chat with you guys about podcasts and everything in between. You guys talk with us about food, pets, movies. You guys give us suggestions. It's honestly really great because also, like I said, like I'm in the middle of home improvement and everyone knows that. And so people talk to me randomly about my home improvement and I've asked to see like before and after. Oh, I should post before and after someday. <laughs> Holy shit. I just do it in the DMs where people ask me. I'll someday show you guys. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a crazy adventure. Or like people uh, talk to us about our pets. People all the time ask me if Shiro's any nicer nope. to me than he was when I first met him. No, he is not. Thanks for asking. He Sorry. still hates me. Yep. Um, I mean, we don't actually know. I mean, he liked me that one day. I pet his ears. <laughs> he really liked me that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other time does he like me? No, not at all. Um, he growls me through doorways. It's great. Mm-hmm. And uh Saber's gotten kind of fat, guys. She's a little chubby. She's adorable. You leave her alone. <laughs> uh, yesterday we went to a company picnic. Cowboy went and Cowboy uh, let everyone love on him. And it was great. And he had a bunch of farts to let go all day oh right goodness. around every time someone wanted to touch him. It was great. It was awesome. My dog is a drive by farter. Um, drive by farter. <laughs> the the thing is, is I forgot the show Paw Patrol exists, mm-hmm. the children's show, and there is a Dalmatian on that show, and it's the main character named Marshall. And this kid came up to us at the park and was like, "Oh my god, they got Marshall to come to the park!" And we're like, "Oh no!" What? So this kid kept running up and hugging him and being in Cowboy's face and like kept trying to take the leash and be like, I'm going to walk Marshall now. And like, obviously, we had to still hold the leash because it was a three year old child and Mm -hmm. Cowboy is very strong. He's almost 70 pounds now. And we're like walking around with him and he's like, I said something and Cowboy wasn't listening. I was like, Cowboy. And the kid looks at me and is like, his name is Marshall. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) Lincoln, thank you very much. I was like, well, he doesn't answer to Cowboy either. So you can call him Marshall if you want. Like, call him whatever you want, kid. I don't care anymore. My dog doesn't listen for shit. (laughs) So, but people were very impressed with my dog and he did really good. So yeah, thanks guys for always asking questions about everything in our lives. Ask Kylie questions about her video games lately. Um, I think that's the only thing we haven't talked about lately in the DMs. So, uh, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Kylie went to Pierogi Fest. Ask her about that, too. Yeah, I did. Um, I had never had, like, an original pierogi, so that was kind of cool. Uh, and then I brought them home, and Corey was like, I've never had a pierogi. And I was like, God damn it. I didn't know that, or I would have gotten, like, the original. I love pierogies. I don't care I mean, if they're it's really shitty hard ones, but to, I like, love good not ones. like them. Yeah, they have everything good. Right. So, yeah. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, which is at Cryptic Soup Pod. Our DMs are always open for suggestions, so slide on in. I'm looking about like two weeks maybe for the Discord, so be ready for that, Um, where you can literally talk to us about literally absolutely anything that we have possibly ever talked about ever, ever. There's so many categories, guys. (laughs) Um, I'm excited. Also, guess who's going to be part of it? Who? Taylor, 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 the (laughs) editor and the amazing person he is. I forgot to give a big shout out to that man. 
fucking thanks Taylor. He does our editing every week. He also does so many other things. And then you guys could be able to talk with him about like everything he does. He, yeah, he I don't does. E- I don't even some. understand why he does, but he does things and they become things that are it's fun cool to look because at. <laughs> in the discord, you got a lot of choices. You can talk about food. You can talk about video games. You can talk about pets. You can get advice from Corey about photos, probably like talk about photography with mm-hmm. him. You can talk about Corey's video game streaming. Maybe you can play games with Corey. Uh, there are other video game streamers that are going to be part of it. There's this uh, streamer named Morbid that we love. That's going to be in it. There's uh, going to be Allie Reckless and it's Benny Bean. Uh, all of those are streamers, guys. There's going to be Taylor who does his animations and all of his like computer editing and stuff. That's just a whole event. I, that's something people pay for. Yeah, I don't even like it's insane. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to bring him up, but Harry Styles, um, oh his God. photographer, <laughs> Lloyd Wakefield. Um, he's a famous photographer and he's pretty well known lately, especially because he did Harry's tour. But he, everyone kept joking he was going to start an OnlyFans when the tour ends to make money since he's no longer Harry's photographer. So he jokingly was like, everyone's been waiting for my OnlyFans. Here it is. But it wasn't an OnlyFans. It was a link. He has like a Discord link where he helps and tells people uh, how, how to, to edit things, how to become photographers for bands, how to edit things, how to do things and stuff. And it's essentially, yeah, like a whole community of photographers and stuff. That's kind of cool. And like you pay for a subscription. I think it's like $10 a month and you're part of the group. And stuff. And essentially, that's kind of like the community that we have. But ours is obviously has a bunch of other things. But like his community is just photography. But it's so cool that he's doing this because he is someone that has a job that a lot of people want. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Um. So join the discord because it's going to yeah. be really fun. And there's going to be all these different people with all these different skill sets that can teach you so many different things. Um. Crime scene and cupcakes going to be part of it. And you guys don't understand what that woman can do. She literally has been. She worked on the police force. She worked in FBI forces. She's worked on cases. She trains cadaver dogs for a living. Like that's just a whole other side of things. And y'all, she makes cupcakes. <laughs> she makes boozy cupcakes. She owns a cupcake building. Yes. I don't know what those are called. Cupcake bakeries? Bakeries? Yeah. It's mostly just cupcakes. It's not like just a full bakery though. So I don't know. Okay, whatever. Yeah, oh, it'll, it'll, it'll all be, of our, all of our links. There. All of our links can also be found at crypticsouppod.com. So in about two-ish weeks, we'll figure it out. Um, and we will start posting about the discord and get you connected there. Yeah. And until then, guys, if you want to leave a review on Spotify or Apple podcast or anything, that would be greatly appreciated. We want you guys to remember to subscribe, follow, tune in and keep up with us because we're going to see you for the next conversation next week on next Tuesday. Stay tuned. <laughs>